Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Sin is always trying to trap us. How many times have we gotten entangled in sin? We might not have meant to, but the temptation came and we found ourselves snared in its trap. We're continuing our series called Entangled, where Pastor Nicole is examining how it is that sin traps us. But today, we're going to look at several real-world strategies to combat temptation and sin. We are in a battle, and Pastor Nicole is going to share some powerful weapons that we can use to overcome sin. So let's get started today. Here's Pastor Nicole. Hi, my name is Jess, and I am thankful for my second chance. So before I got saved about 11 years ago, I lived my life however I wanted to. Um, I identified as an atheist back then. Um, So I just believed I could do whatever I wanted to, and whatever the consequences were, that's what it was. And so I did a lot of partying. I spent just about everything I could at a bar, um, gaining attention from anybody I could. um, And I paid the price for it. The biggest one was probably being ashamed in the end of looking back and saying, I can't believe, I can't believe I acted like that. I can't believe I did those things, Um, you know, making the wrong decisions with people that I thought were my friends, but in the end, they they didn't care about me. Um, it was just that moment, um, making a lot of the wrong choices with the wrong people. And, you know, looking back now, I can see that I didn't, I wasn't the mom that I should have been for my daughter when she was really young because I was too busy living the wild life.
Well, good morning. I am battling a little bit of laryngitis today. I feel good, but my voice needs to be reminded of that, so thank you for your patience with it. But I'll tell you what, I wasn't about not to preach, all right? So that's what I told the Lord this week, and so I know that he'll sustain me. Um, But I was reading a story this week about um, a Christian summer camp um, with some kids, and they were talking to their counselor, and the counselor was leading a discussion uh, on the purpose that God has for everything that he had created. And so they talked about um, all the good reasons for clouds and trees and rocks and rivers and animals and just about everything else in nature. But then one of the kids, you know, that kid, <laughs> maybe you were that kid, broke in with this question. If God had a good purpose for everything, why did he create poison ivy? And the counselor gulped, fumbling for an answer. And when one of the other children came to his rescue saying, the reason God made poison ivy is because he wanted us to know there are certain things that you just keep your hands off of. (laughs) That's pretty clever. We're in this series um, called Entangled. And sin is something we just need to keep our hands off of. And sin hurts us. It makes us vulnerable. It makes us stuck. I want to start in Hebrews 12 today. And if you got this on your way in, I'd love for you to follow along. Uh, Maybe even take some notes. I'm praying that this is a highly practical message that you can leave with a lot of action steps, okay? So Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So this passage in Hebrews uh, is the sobering news that sin entangles and strangles our ability to run the race of our life well. Sin makes us tired. Sin makes us grow weary. Sin makes us lose heart. And as believers, uh, we want to please God. So we have to understand how temptation works so we can learn how to resist it. I I don't often like to talk about the enemy. He doesn't deserve any of our airtime. But what I want to talk about today is helpful because when we can understand how sin enters our lives, we can build a strategy against it. Okay, spiritual battles require spiritual weapons. Spiritual battles require spiritual weapons. And when it comes to making war against sin, you need more than a squirt gun. Amen? (laughs) You need high-powered artillery because sin is dangerous and hurtful and tricky. And it's interesting because the enemy uses the same pattern and the same approach essentially as he did from the beginning of humankind. Now, you might wonder, why hasn't he updated his playbook? (laughs) Like, it's been a lot of years. Why doesn't he have any new tricks? And as I was praying and thinking about that this week, this is what the Lord told me. He doesn't have to because it's still working. It's still working. Look around you, the world is full of wickedness and sin and pain. Even in our own lives, 
don't answer this out loud, but we often wrestle with the same sin, even as Christians, for years and years and years. Sadly, humankind is still falling for the same old tricks and accepting the same old lies. And so by learning the pattern of temptation, we're going to fulfill the biblical command in 2 Corinthians 2.11 that says, don't let the enemy outwit you. Don't be unaware of his schemes. And when we know what's coming, we can organize a defense against it. So that's what we're gonna do today. So that's why I want you to have that paper next to you, in front of you, so you can write down some things because everybody's battle plan is going to be specific to your own life. Okay, so let's start with step one, strategy one, discerning the lie. Now, last week we talked about how God always tells the truth. It's impossible for him to lie. I love that. Jiva shared that again this morning as the Lord reminded her that God can never lie. But the counter of that statement is the enemy is the father of lies. He cannot tell the truth. John 8:44 gives us this description. The devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So I want to contrast two accounts in the book of Genesis about sin that I think will help us understand a little bit about this first strategy of uh, discerning the lie. So when we read about the origin and the start of sin with Adam and Eve from the very beginning, um, the enemy chose what he chose, the, the form he chose to take was crafty. So the serpent before the moment, before this moment, um, was actually not an animal that Eve would have feared or been repulsed by. So the serpent was actually, imagine this, was an attractive animal. I think after all these years uh, of talking about the serpent, we imagine it as kind of this scary, terrible thing. But a serpent in the very beginning was an attractive animal made by God and actually initially did not even crawl on its belly. The scripture showed us, shows us that happened after the origin of sin. And so basically, here's what I'm trying to say. The first woman ever created wasn't even afraid of snakes. Okay, can you imagine? Like that's actually what this is saying. The enemy's first lie was to come in an attractive form. And so what we can learn from this is temptation is often packaged attractively. Okay, temptation is often a pack packaged attractively. And then in Genesis 3, as the story unfolds, the enemy waits until Eve was alone. Remember, Adam came later, Eve gave the fruit to him. And I think this reminds us temptation is most powerful when you're all alone. And so I want to talk about Eve in the garden, but then there's also this other man in Genesis named Joseph who faced temptation. And the cliff notes of some of his stories, he was a young man in a foreign country, alone in a house with a king's wife, and the wife grabs him and passionately says, be with me. Who else will know? And again, we see temptation entering the scene as an attractive option when Joseph was alone. You see, this pattern is happening. Now, Joseph does better than Eve. He models how to deal with it. He resists. He flees temptation. He, he says in Genesis 39, 9, uh, I can't do this because even if no one else saw, God will see. So he has this very uh, clear understanding of that. And he literally runs from her, like literally runs away. And if we contrast these two accounts in Genesis, we see that the temptation came to both of them when they were alone and in an attractive form. But Joseph handles it different than Eve. 
And so what we need to do in the first strategy is to discern the lie when something comes to us is to begin to look at it in a way that you can say, wait a minute, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) I'm all alone here. This is when temptation comes. I better get with someone. I better, like Jesus said, talk to a friend. I better ask someone about this because this seems like a good idea, but I need some input here because I'm all alone. Or this seems very attractive. Uh, There's something to this. Is this the right thing? I need to get some godly wisdom or advice. I need to go to the word and discern the lie because the enemy will trick us. He's crafty and he's good at it. And so we have to make sure that we are ready to be able to discern those things about a temptation. All right, so the second step in the battle plan is to speak to the temptation. So Joseph looks for and discerns the lie, and then Joseph speaks to the temptation. Speaking what you believe is a way to act in faith. So let me give you an example. When you're tempted, when the lie comes, when the lie comes to you, be ready to speak to the temptation. Okay, no, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself and binge eat again today. I am a child of God. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to fall into a spiral of criticism about my spouse. I love my spouse. I'm going to bless him or her with my words. No, I'm not going to waste time distracted, fearful or jealous, watching the news and scrolling on my phone. I have a purpose. I have a destiny, and I don't want to miss it. In fact, I hope some of you talk to your phone this week, and I don't mean Siri, and say, I'm not going to do this today. I'm not going to sit here and look at this person and dwell in the bitterness that I feel I'm not. Because listen, you drive the conversation. You tell temptation the truth. And telling the temptation what the truth is has an effect on it. We saw it with Joseph. He says, no, I'm not going to do this. God will know, even if no one else knows. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and what will happen? He'll flee from you. But you've got to speak to the temptation. Don't let the temptation keep speaking to you. You speak to the temptation. Joseph did something that Eve failed to do. He literally ran away. You know what I wrote on my notes this morning? That sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is run away. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to leave, is to opt out is to change your plans. If the same thing happened three times that got you in a bad spot when you went to that person's house, don't go to that person's house. <laughs> Sometimes I think we, we want to um, have this moment of like this huge supernatural experience when the Lord is saying, look, there's some real practical things. Run from it. <laughs> Turn and run. Drive away. If this is what you're not supposed to do, speak to the temptation. Okay, number three. Um, avoid temptation at all costs. So in Matthew 5, uh, 29 through 30, um, it actually gives us some kind of uncomfortable suggestions. Uh, If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Okay, kind of uncomfortable, right, reading that. But this is the point. This passage is reminding us that sin is dangerous, so go to all costs to avoid it. That's the point. Not literally gouge your eye out, but go to all costs. Avoid places that feed inappropriate desires. Create inconveniences in your life to keep you from tripping up. Be proactive. 
Don't just let sin happen to you. Choose ahead of time to set up speed bumps and guardrails. That's gonna mean things like put the accountability software on your computer. Take the long way home. Change your daily routine. Join a group of like-minded people to help keep you on track. Tell someone about what's happening so that they can ask you how it's going. You know, we have a lot of groups here at Erie First that you can plug into to study God's word. And we, we actually have a special group called Celebrate Recovery that specifically talks about habits and hangups and heartaches when you need accountability and support. Maybe you're sitting here today thinking, man, I just wish I had someone to talk to about this stuff. We do. We do have somebody you could talk to about this stuff. And it's this incredible group. And you can find out about th that group and others at the Next Steps uh, Center in the lobby on your way out. But here's the thing. Do whatever it takes. Avoid temptation at all costs. We can't put things in our life only if they're convenient because other things will supersede them. All right, next, strategy four. Allow God's word to influence your heart. Allow God's word to influence your heart. So as we keep looking at these narratives in Genesis, uh, we see that the enemy says to Eve, uh, he actually does not begin by saying, listen, Eve, God's wrong, <laughs> He, he was not outright like that. Eve might have actually smelled it out if he said that. Instead, he strategically questioned, now watch this, he strategically questioned God's word. He said, mm, is it really true that God said that you couldn't eat from any tree of the garden? This is the enemy's age-old trick. He cast doubt into Eve's mind and he cast doubt into our minds because the goal of the enemy is to get us to question the authority of God and his word. Because if he can get us to question the authority of God and we can get us to question the goodness of God, then we can begin to say, well, God doesn't have the best out for me. And then therefore the things that he's telling me to do must not be things he's telling me to do because he loves me. And all of a sudden, everything is relative. And it's all about what feels good for me or what's easiest for me. And there's no true north. And we've watched this over decades. Humanity spirals and everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And how's that working out for us? <laughs> Not so good. A sure strategy and protection for temptation is to allow God's word to influence your heart. Now, I realize I'm not just saying read God's word, that's good. I'm not just saying listen to God's word, that's good. But there's a step deeper that I'm using this verb influence. Because you can read God's word, you can listen to God's word, but if you never let it influence your heart, it is not a protection for temptation. You see, God's word keeps us from sin because it defines what is evil and what is good. There's no way for our human brains to know what grieves God and what pleases God on our own. We're selfish, we're broken, we can't see it clearly. But the word of God tells us, and this scripture brings us wisdom and fills us with instruction. That's what it says it does. God's word keeps us from sin because it powerfully and supernaturally discerns the motives of our hearts. 
In fact, there's nothing else like God's word. Uh, Nobody else, not even ourselves, uh, can recognize sin. We cannot even parse out our own hearts. Have you ever been like, I don't even know how I'm feeling? Have anyone ever felt that way? I don't even know know how I feel. I don't even know what I'm thinking. I'm upside down. That's because we're humans. (laughs) And so God is the only one that can rightly judge the thoughts and intentions of our heart. So I love Psalm 119, 11. This is from the Amplified Version. And it says this, Your word I have treasured and stored in my heart that I may not sin against you. If you value the word of God, if you treasure it, then you read it. But you don't just read it, you memorize it. You chew on it, you listen to it. You put it in the places you look at. You get excited to think about it and talk about it. The power of the word to keep us from sin is relative to how much we value it. The power of the word to keep us from sin is relative to how much we value it. And so as you store up the word of God in your heart, you are treasuring it. You are holding it in esteem. And as you do that, it's going to help you. The power of God in you, the power of the word of God is going to help you beat and fight and battle sin. You are preparing yourself for the day or the moment of temptation. And when that moment comes, God supernaturally shows up and he does that by using the Holy Spirit to bring his word to your mind and to your heart and and to remind you what is good and what is evil. The Holy Spirit is the one who says, hey, 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 hey. No, that, that, that isn't good. That's, that's evil. Maybe even from the outside, you watch and other people are participating and you think, well, they all think it's good, but the Holy Spirit's gonna say, no, 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 I'm telling you. That may look good, but the word of God is in you, so you know. The word of God also exposes your motives and intentions. The word of God can speak to you about how you're feeling and what you're doing, and the word of God can give you a way out. Now, are you up for a challenge this week? Are you up for a test? All right, if you're not, you're still gonna get one. So here's the thing. I wanna challenge you. After you leave here today, find a scripture that relates to the sin that you're struggling with. Okay, maybe it's anger, bitterness, gluttony, sexual immorality, whatever it is. Find a scripture that relates to it and practice hiding it in your heart. You don't even have to, have to tell anybody what it is, but, but you get that word of God. You ponder it. You meditate it. Put it in your phone. Put it on your car dashboard. Put it on your mirror. And as soon as you start arguing with your spouse, that scripture is going to pop into your mind. And it's going to be annoying. And you're going to be frustrated. <laughs> Because your flesh and your spirit are going to wrestle. In fact, it's probably going to be an all-out showdown. Because the word of God is going to come in your heart and remind you of what you've just listened. And your flesh is going gonna, is gonna to try to wrestle out of there. As soon as you are watching something you shouldn't be watching, I promise you that scripture is going to come to mind. And you're going to try to ignore it. And you're going to try to shove it down. And you're going to try to justify it. You might even just turn up the volume a little bit. Just... Just, just so that that small voice isn't so much inside of you. But let me tell you that whatever that scripture is that you memorize, when you get to that moment of temptation, if you submit to the authority of God and his word, if you resist the enemy, he will flee from you. 
as you treasure and hide God's word in your heart, the Holy Spirit will make you aware of your sin. He will confront you in the middle of it. Watch for it. He'll give you the opportunity to run from it. I I guarantee it. I guarantee it because God's word says it. And God's word is always true. So I want you to try it. And I expect you to have the temptation moment. But in that moment, when that scripture comes to mind, even if you fail or, or you're able to actually fight that temptation, I want you to realize that God's word works. <laughs> and as you put that in, in your heart, it will come up and it will help you get stronger. As you wait on the Lord, you get stronger. All right, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the test. I'm gonna do it. All right, good. Now, if you try it, I want you to message me here at the church and you just, you just shoot me two, two words on an email. You're right, Pastor Nicole, that's four. But you're right, you're right. You don't even have to tell me the sin or the temptation or the scripture, but you just tell me, you know what? God's word is right. When I let it influence my heart, it hurts a little because it's killing my flesh and it's making my spirit stronger. All right, strategy number five. Remember your identity in Christ. When you become a believer in Jesus, things change about your identity. I think of it like your passport is updated and you don't even have to mail it in for six weeks. The spiritual DNA of who you are shifts. Uh, let me just give you a few scriptures to support this. Romans 5.1, it says, in Jesus, you are justified by faith. Jesus has forgiven your sin and made it possible to be right with God. Romans 10 says we are clothed in righteousness. We're wrapped up in the rightness of God. Romans 6, 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. When you become a child of God, grace reigns, grace rules. Your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. You are not under the law anymore. Maybe my favorite, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, you are a new person. Sin wants to control your body and your emotions and your instincts, but you are a new creation. That scripture says, the old has gone, the new has come. The old Nicole is gone and the new Nicole has come. The old life is dead and the new life is here. Yeah, praise God for that for a minute. Everybody, let's just give God thanks. I love that. I love those scriptures. And so when we remember our identity, and listen, these are not promises that are coming. These are facts to accept right now. Like these aren't things that someday I'll be righteous in the Lord. Someday sin won't be my master. Someday I'll be a new person. No, right now when you accept Jesus Christ as your savior, those are promises that happen in the moment. And so when we remember our identity in Jesus, that we're dead to sin and alive in God, living for his glory, the enemy does not want us to remember that because that puts us on the winning team. That helps us not be defeated. So that is so, so important. Okay, so these are the five strategies. Here's the summary for a battle plan to defeat temptation. Discern the lie, speak to the temptation, avoid temptation at all costs, allow God's word to influence your heart, and remember your identity in Christ. You know, we've been talking about how sin is like this image of a sheep 
are caught in a thicket. And the sheep that is caught can't eat, can't drink. He's vulnerable. He's stuck and hurting. But we don't have to be that sheep. We don't have to be defeated by temptation and sin because God in his mercy has provided a way of deliverance. I came across this scripture after I had taught about this analogy. And I mean, to be honest, I was in Wegmans and I was just weeping in the cafe. This happens to me a lot uh, because the Lord was showing me in 1 Peter 2, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. And if you will trust in Christ as your savior and Lord, he will freely pardon your sin and he will give you the power to overcome temptation. He is the God of the second chance and I am so grateful. Watch this video. Hi, my name is Matt Gear, and I'm so very thankful for my second chance. There was a time in my life when I was in a really, really, really dark place. I, I get emotional when I talk about this. Um, I was addicted to drugs. I was a thief. I mean, I did anything to take care of myself. I didn't care about nobody around me. It affected me negatively because I literally lost everything. I mean, I lost everything. When I got out of jail, I had a pair of pants and a shirt and a pair of shoes. That's all I had. My family didn't want to talk to me. My mom is the only one that didn't give up on me. Definitely saved my life. 
listen, when you're talking about my best friend, like your best friend, yeah, my best friend Jesus. And I told him, man, he, he saved my life, he can save your life too. Just, just get to know him, because he's amazing. Hi, my name is Matt Gear, and I'm so very thankful for my second chance. You guys, thanks for that. Would you stand to your feet? Let me pray for you today. God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you give us a battle plan, that you give us a way out, that you allow the word to influence our hearts. And God, that you will help us overcome by the power in us through the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you love us. God, it's in your strong name I pray. Amen. Hey, have a great week. Work on that battle plan. We'll see you guys next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.